Welcome to the Pregnancy Help Podcast. I'm Christine Grimmett here with Tracy Shellhouse, Heartbeats Vice President of Ministry Services. And she has a Christmas devotional to share based on the nativity, which is a story that we hear every year this time of the year. Uh, but maybe we don't look at it as closely as we should through the lens of the pro-life movement and the work that we do. I want to remind listeners that even though many offices close for the holidays, our option line team remains available to answer calls, texts, chats, and emails from people with pregnancy-related questions 24 hours a day, seven days a week through optionline.org. Affiliates of Heartbeat can even have the option line team answer their after-hours phone calls so that center staff can take a break and celebrate the season and know that their calls will still be answered. Email info at optionline.org to find out more information on that. We're so grateful for the Option Line team for always being available, and we're also grateful to our donors and our supporters who partner with us and make this call center possible. We really couldn't do this without you. Option Line's website, again, is optionline.org. So we're gearing up for Christmas here at Heartbeat. As I was walking into the office, I saw some of the decorations. Mm -hmm. We have a a nice poinsettia display out. It's beautiful in our office. It is. And uh, did you get a chance to put up your Christmas tree in your new house? No. And I hate to say this because I'm going to sound like Ebenezer Scrooge, but I don't think I'm going to decorate this year because I will be going back home for the holidays and I'm still unpacking things. And and so I'm thinking I'm just might go and enjoy my family's decorations. Yeah, that's fair. So Tracy, <laughs> for our listeners, Tracy is a new resident of Ohio. We're so glad to have her here uh, so that she can be in our Columbus office with us in person. And it's fun to always have her in the studio for another podcast. <laughs> I don't blame you as you just moved like what, a week oh, ago or something yes. like that. Uh, yeah. Enjoy everyone else's decorations and don't worry about that this year. Well, thankfully, the people on my street have really lit it up. So it's gorgeous going home in the evenings and leaving in the mornings. And I think they've done such a great job. I don't really have to this year. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, the real meaning of the season we know is the nativity story. So Mm -hmm. what is your Christmas message that you have for us today? Okay. Well, you know, Christine, we have, most of us have heard the Christmas story over and over so many times. And um, it doesn't get old by any means. I think we look forward to it each year, especially during the Christmas holidays. But I would like to revisit it and look at it a little differently from a different perspective. I believe the story of the earthly arrival of our King is unapologetically pro-life. And the story of Mary's unplanned pregnancy is relevant today when we consider the issue of abortion. And I think a lot of people go, what? That doesn't make sense. But I do believe it does. In the first chapter of Luke, we read that the angel Gabriel went to the tiny rural town of Nazareth to find Mary, a young virgin teenager who had um, found favor in the eyes of the Lord. And Gabriel speaks, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. This is the most unexpected pregnancy of all unexpected pregnancies. The news Mary received must have been overwhelming. I imagine she had multitudes of questions running through her mind like, What will people think? Will I be shunned? Will my parents be angry? Will they be ashamed and cast me aside? What about Joseph? Will he leave me? Mary likely had many of the same thoughts that women today ponder when facing unplanned pregnancies. And guess what? She also had the same options that contemporary women may choose, even abortion. There were plenty of Gentile doctors who would perform abortions on Gentile and Jewish women in Mary's day. She didn't have to carry the child. She had options. 
Mary had much in common with many of those we serve. She was experiencing some of the same problems that are cited amongst the top reasons women terminate pregnancies. Mary was young. Scholars agree that Mary was likely in her mid-teens when Jesus was conceived. Teen mothers are often told to end their pregnancies because they are too young to have children. How often have you heard, we don't want babies having babies? Mary could have been an unwed, unwed mom. Joseph could have called off their marriage, leaving Mary alone and pregnant. Today, getting pregnant out of wedlock isn't considered as scandalous as it once was, but it doesn't mean that it doesn't come with repercussions and consequences. Being a single mother can be daunting, and the shame can be a lot to handle. Facing the possible challenges that may come with being a single unwed mother, many women today choose not to be mothers at all. Mary was poor. In Leviticus 12, 2-8, we read that the standard offering for purification after childbirth was a lamb and a dove. In Luke 2, 22-24, we discover that Mary offered either a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. The law of Moses allowed poor mothers to offer more affordable substitutes in place of the standard sacrifice. Financial strain is one of the top reasons why women say they choose abortion. Sometimes, those who are poor are pressured by others to abort. Some people reason that poor parents can't provide their children with the best lives and that abortion is the responsible choice. I have difficulty understanding how others justify ending the unborn's life to save it from a life that might not be filled with material wants and economic advantages. Yes, they may face the challenges of aspiring to improve one's lot in life, but being poor doesn't equate to living a hopeless life of misery. Also, abortion is permanent. Being poor doesn't have to be. Mary could have lost Joseph. Matthew 1, 18-25 tells us that Joseph was planning to discreetly call off his relationship with Mary because she was pregnant. In a dream, God told Joseph not to be afraid to take Mary as his wife because she had not been unfaithful. The baby was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit. Before God intervened, Mary's pregnancy meant she would lose her relationship with Joseph. Today, a pro-choice advisor would likely suggest abortion to alleviate the strain on the relationship in hopes of the couple staying together, even though statistics tell us that abortion is often the death knell of a relationship. Many people today celebrate decades of marriage that began after the conception of a baby. It is important to remember God still intervenes in relationships. And Mary's future plans could have changed. We know that Mary had plans for her future. She was engaged to Joseph, and planning a wedding is a big deal. When Gabriel told her she would become the mother of the Messiah, I am sure all of her hopes, plans, and dreams flashed before her eyes. Women today are told to dream big, set goals, and make plans. These are good things to do. I believe everyone should live intentionally, looking forward to the future. But women are told not to let anything get in their way. Sometimes those experiencing unplanned pregnancies are told to abort because they can always have children later, once they have fulfilled their dreams. Choosing to be a mother doesn't mean you have to forfeit your plans and goals. Choosing to be a mother may just mean a different route is taken on the way to future success. Looking at the realities of Mary's situation, if she were a client today, she would be considered abortion vulnerable at the least. She is a young, poor teenage girl who is pregnant out of wedlock, about to get dumped by her fiancé, and her plans have been interrupted and seemingly obliterated. Mary has good reason to be scared. 
Choosing life for her baby could mean the end of life as she knows it. Kissing the face of her child may mean kissing her future plans goodbye. What does she have to offer her unborn son? Poverty, scandal, and illegitimacy? And yet, Mary says to Gabriel, Let it be done to me according to your word. And suddenly, the most unplanned pregnancy in history becomes a reality. Mary's situation is unique, but it isn't unfamiliar. Every year, women wrestle with similar fears and doubts. They ask themselves hundreds of questions, try to work out future scenarios, and struggle to answer the same question. Do I have this baby? Mary has plenty of reasons to say no, but she says yes. She says yes to life in her womb, and that life becomes the life, the Savior of the world. Only Mary gave life to Jesus Christ, so her situation is very, very unique and unto itself. But in another sense, it's not. Parents strive to empower and equip children to do better than us. One of the beautiful things about parenthood is rooting for our children to surpass our own accomplishments. Mary knew Jesus was special and would somehow change the world, but God had not fully revealed the plan to her. No parent knows the future impact of their children and what that impact will be on the world. They may or may not change the world for everyone, but they will definitely and certainly change the world for someone. The fight for the sanctity of human life is as real today as it has been since the death of Abel at the hand of his brother Cain. In the Christmas story, King Herod did not value the life of the newborn king. The babe, Jesus, was a threat to his lifestyle. Herod's kingship was hotly contested by many, and the prophecies indicated Jesus had a right to the throne in which Herod sat. Letting the child live threatened Herod's future. The baby was in his way. Does this sound familiar? Herod's plan was simple. Kill the baby and preserve his way of living and plans for the future. Herod's plans fell through thanks to another man, an honorable man, Joseph. Like Herod, Joseph's plans and lifestyle were significantly threatened by baby Jesus, too. Joseph had a choice to make when he found out Mary was pregnant, walk away, or support her and become a daddy. Many of the men we serve face similar situations and have the same options. Like Joseph, they have the option to walk away and abandon the babies and their mothers or stay and support them. I thank God for men who choose as Joseph chose. They decide to protect their children and honor their women. They choose true manhood. They choose to be fathers. Never forget that when we celebrate God becoming a man at Christmas and the trajectory of humankind forever being changed from the grave to eternal life, that change started with a mother and a father saying yes to life. I don't know, Christine. I find that to be profound Mm -hmm. when I really think about what— Mary and Joseph faced. I think sometimes it's easy to gloss things over and go, oh, well, the angel came to them and they just had all these answers. But it doesn't mean that those answers weren't hard. You know, I think when I was a kid and I would hear this story, then you see it as this beautiful nativity scene that we have in our homes. Mm -hmm. We see, we hear the stories at church and 
in uh, children's books versions of it. And it's just this perfect little sweet story and everything's mm-hmm. taken care of. But then as an adult, I think, um, well, I guess as a kid, I would think, well, you know, if an angel told me something, I would believe it. I would right. have no fear. It would be good to go. But then as an adult, I would be like, you know, if an angel came to me in a dream, I might wake up and be like, that was just a dream. Right. Or I, I would have so many more doubts. So mm-hmm. this this brought up the reality of what they were facing and that we know that women facing an unplanned pregnancy, it's not always just a saying yes and then it's easy from there on. It's a right. lot of back and forth and those challenges continue and they work through them one by one. And for Mary, it was very similar. It was like, okay, so I said yes mm-hmm. and I'm excited, but now I have this fiance I need to tell and I right. have this community behind me and and what is the reaction going to be? Mm-hmm. So this really brought that to light Um the the very real things that Mary was dealing with, and and yet with her free will, she said yes, yes. Because I'm sure in that moment, it was like her life flashed before her eyes when oh the my. angel said, "Do you <laughs> want to do this?" And she was like, "Well, mm-hmm. yes, absolutely." But there had to have been a, a second of like, "Wow, this right. is going to be life changing." I think it's powerful that it, when you really contemplate though that she had free will. The Lord didn't make her. Right. She had the choice to do that, and she could have said no, mm-hmm. but she said yes. You know, and that, that to me is very powerful when you think about it, because I think that's part of what, at least in my mind, um, got glossed over, is that she really had a choice. It took me becoming an adult and, and a parent to go, oh, wait a minute. Um, it wasn't just that simple little nativity story that we hear during the children's minute at church. Well, and there were others who had to make that choice, too. So mm-hmm. Joseph had to make that choice. Uh, the, the people that surrounded her and her yes. family, they didn't just kick her out. And, uh, you know, Joseph made this big journey with her to Bethlehem, and mm-hmm. he was fully committed, and she was fully committed to this. Yeah, that that must have been quite the journey. And I'm sure their discussion on the way to Bethlehem was oh my. interesting as well. But the free will thing, it kind of hits me every year because it, it really is— this year I was thinking about it differently. So the pregnancy centers, if we're talking about this story in light of the pro-life movement, the pregnancy centers kind of stand in— the position to remind each woman that, guess what? You have free will. Yes. What your boyfriend or what your parents or what whoever has mm-hmm. been talking to you in your life, those voices are important to listen to sometimes, mm-hmm. but you also individually have free will, and that is one of God's greatest gifts to us. Right. So that's where the pregnancy center gets to just remind her of that truth. And your work in the pregnancy center, I know, has shown that as well. You've seen that over and over with clients. Yes, it is. It's amazing to watch and to see, you know, as I said in this, how trajectory can change mm-hmm. is to see someone's life that they have to make a decision and they're going, this is going to change my life. It is never going to be the same again. And Christine, we see that, that again and again, they do make that decision and it does change their life and it's never the same. But it doesn't mean that it's not a good, never the same. There are exciting uh, stories and so many victories that we get to witness in the Pregnancy Help Center as mothers and fathers make the choice to be parents. And I know you were telling me earlier about mm-hmm. you had a client at your center. Do you want to share that story now? Sure. Um, I have a, a friend of mine, and she's in uh, Tennessee, and her name is Paige. And her story was really interesting in that, you know, one of the things I pointed out in here is that Mary had plans, and I could imagine just all of those plans and dreams flashing before her eyes and her going, what if I lose all of that? But 
it's interesting how free will works and also how choosing to be a mom um, can really change the disposition of your heart and even your hopes and dreams and plans for the future in a good way. Because when she came, she had not finished um, her high school diploma. She uh, was working uh, in retail as a cashier and really didn't have any plans for the future. And Paige came in and found out that she was pregnant. She was being pressured uh, to abort by someone in her life. And she was. it was very overwhelming. She didn't have, uh, like I said, much hope for the future as far as uh, work and an opportunity there. But she made the choice to give her daughter life. And what I love about that is the client advocate that was with her didn't just go, oh, great, we're so excited and get to go, oh, we had someone that was, you know, abortion-minded that's choosing life. That client advocate really um, began to to mentor and disciple and step into her life. And one of the things her client advocate, um, Marsha, challenged her with is, great, now you've chosen life for your child. What about you? What are your plans for you? How are you going to choose your best and most abundant life? And Paige really responded to that. And because she wanted to be a great mom, she wanted to provide a great life for her daughter. And um, and so Paige decided to get her GED. Wasn't even sure if she's going to be able to do it. And she got her GED. And then she said, well, I'm going to enroll in my local junior college. And she got her associate's degree. And all of this, you know, through pregnancy and parenting. And the day that she graduated with her associate's degree, she then enrolled in the four-year university in Cleveland uh, to get a bachelor's. And today, Paige has an associate's degree and three bachelor's degrees. She is a phenomenal mom. And you can see the love that this mother and daughter have. And she has just been amazing. She works in um, the, the television industry in the Chattanooga area in marketing and advertising and sales and is amazingly successful, connected, and is still a lifelong learner. And, you know, before she said yes to being a mom, she didn't have any plans. And, and look at her choosing and, and the Lord, you know, giving her that free will. But then when she stepped into it, him stepping into her lives, and she is a godly mother that's raising her daughter, Nia, in this beautiful environment um, where they are honoring God in their home. But my goodness, I mean, that is an amazing story to me. And that isn't unusual in the pregnancy help movement. We have so many success stories. It's amazing. Well, and we know that babies are obviously going to be a huge change in your life. Yes. And that saying is true that it takes a village to raise a child because it took the village of the pregnancy center. Maybe she had church support or Mm -hmm. family. And a a lot of times I've seen in in my own family where babies bring people together and bring a a joy and a hope that um, hadn't maybe sometimes people lose that as we become adults. And so children just have this amazing way of bringing that back into our life. It's always amazing to think of going back to your devotional here, uh, talking about how Herod was so terrified of this little child, this little baby. Um, And so he, you know, made the awful decision to end so many children's lives. Right. But him being fearful of that reminded me I was making a connection between him and, you know, the, the big abortion agenda of being fearful of 
families almost. Mm -hmm. You know, a family is what God chose to use to bring his son into the world, to bring salvation to the world through a family. So the emphasis on family is so real in Jesus' birth and his story of how he was raised. And it is such a humble way to be raised, but it's, it's so powerful because God chose to make it that powerful. And family yes. is is the foundation of our whole society. Families are always going to be under attack. We see that today. Mm-hmm. We saw that back then. And the pregnancy centers are positioned in such a way to remind women that they can do more and that families are important. And, and our village is here to support them, whether it's material aid or, you know, medical or a home like maternity homes or adoption support. So what are you looking forward to as this year comes to a close? Uh, What is an additional message you'd like to give to those who are working in the centers as they're hopefully getting to take a bit of a rest Mm -hmm. and, you know, having their holiday parties and people tend to take time off and celebrate with families? What would your message be? Well, I would encourage people to celebrate all of the great miraculous things that God has done through their ministries uh, in their homes and in their communities. I think it is so easy in the busyness and especially um, for many of us having been under attack and having to find new ways to stand and defend our ministries and ourselves that it is easy to be very driven by the things right in front of us and not slowing down to celebrate. But, you know, Christmas, is it is a time of worship. And um, I think it is a time to, to look at what all God has done and then also to look forward with the expectation of the things that He's going to do. But one of the things that I love to remind people in pregnancy help to do during this time of the year is as we're celebrating Christmas, to remember that there are little ones that are celebrating Christmas for the very first time. As you're celebrating this year, there are our babies that are born having their first Christmas, those that will be born uh, that are right now in their mother's wombs this upcoming year, um, but the celebration is happening. I also think it's important to remember all the lives that have been saved and those that maybe didn't have relationship with Jesus Christ that now do because of your ministries, that you've opened their eyes for them to understand that there is a loving God in heaven and that there is a Savior um, that we celebrate this time of year. And so truly, there are people that your organizations, that you personally have touched and impacted, that are celebrating Christmas for the very first time, either as their very first Christmas in life, whether they're almost a year old or a few days old, or the first Christmas that they have ever celebrated having relationship with Jesus Christ, because really, until you have relationship with Christ, you're dead. And so for those that are in Christ that now have relationship, this is their first Christmas too. And so I believe that pregnancy help, we should slow down and and really think about and praise God for all of the first Christmases that He allows us to be a part of and enjoy that. Enjoy that, not taking credit for ourselves, but taking time to just recognize what he's done and the opportunities that he's given us. Um, That is something I love doing every year. We don't need an excuse to celebrate those stories. No. We get to celebrate those every day. And this is an especially Mm -hmm. special time of year to get to do that. 
Any final thoughts before we close out as we thank our, well, let's thank our listeners and Mm -hmm. thank the pregnancy help organizations. Thank those that support. It's not just those who give their time, but we know that so many give, whether it's a little or a lot, they um, support with funding of the pro-life pregnancy help movement. We have people that are praying for us and that's so powerful and we appreciate that so much. This is such a huge network of people, and that's what it takes is everybody in their own way that they are mm-hmm. called to do to uh, step up and help help the moms who find themselves in a situation where they just need an extra hand. So, uh, you know, we're grateful on yes. behalf of Heartbeat. We are all so grateful for those who choose to be involved in whatever way that you feel called to. Mm-hmm. You know, and it is a, a great blessing to be a part of it. And um, it is so much bigger than what we see. Mm-hmm. I, I think that is it just what, as you're naming off all the different roles that people play that um, whether it's a donor, it's a supporter, if you are working in your local pregnancy center, if you are watching the children of someone that's volunteering and working mm-hmm. in the local pregnancy center, this is a beautiful picture of what the church working together and what the Christian community working together really looks like and the kind of impact that we can have. And so I think it's important that we are mindful of the miracles we've seen this year, like with the overturning of Roe. Um, and I think that is a an amazing thing to celebrate this year. But also, I think, to look forward with expectation and anticipation of the year ahead of us. Um, you know, I l- actually love Christmas gifts, but I wait to the last minute to open mine. I love watching everybody else open theirs, but I love waiting to that last minute before I open mine because to me, a big part of the excitement is the anticipation. I am really excited to see what 2023 is going to look like when God unwraps it for us. Amen to that. I think that's a good way to close (laughs) us out. Thank you to those who have listened. Be sure to subscribe. We'll take a little bit of a break for the holidays because I know that people are busy uh, with family and friends. Uh, We have a few episodes of the podcast scheduled for early next year that I'm very excited about. More on our World Perspectives series. There's a client story that I'm very excited to share. So with that, uh, Merry Christmas from Heartbeat International. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas.